0: Vandana karite muhi katha shakti dhari, tamo buddhi doshe muhi dhambha matra kori, tathaphi mokera bhagya manera ulas, dosakshamimodame korani jadas. welcome, good to see you. Um, so, uh we'll get going then. So, Hare Krishna, before starting, um though, getting into um, Prema Bhakti Chandraka, which uh, is what today is going to be about, Um Although he won't directly be the theme of today's session, I also wanted to briefly offer my respects to Lord Ramachandra, whose appearance day is here in the UK, Sujai. (laughs) He has so many wonderful devotees fixed in Bhakti, the topic of today, and um, uh, many devotees who came to assist Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu uh, in his dissemination of the goal, uh, Prema Bhakti. were Ram, Ram Bhaktas also. So, Jai Sitaram, Jai Lakshman Hanuman. Uh, may they bless our Shravanam and Kirtanam today. Um, and so, uh, and interestingly, actually, as another side note, in this song that we're studying at the moment, although not in the verses today, uh Loonarutam Das also quotes uh, Hanuman. So <laughs> nice, nice connection there also for today. So, as some of you may remember, um, we started studying Srila Narottam Das Thakura's Prema Bhakti Chandrakar a while back. And we left off partway through the second song. Um, and although I have plans to switch up to a Bhagavad Gita study later in the year, I felt it would be nice for the sake of completion of song two uh, to continue where we left off. So we've already looked at the importance of the guru and sadhus in the first song. And then in the second song, We're advised to refine our spiritual practices in such a way that we can practice a kanta bhakti or fixed devotional service. You could say nishta, which is our interim goal, as our Guru Maharaj sometimes says. So, so far in this song, we've looked at our ultimate goal. Um which is to practice Uttama Bhakti in the way that um, Srila Rupa Goswami, he defines it in his Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu in this famous verse uh, of uttama. So uh, the highest Bhakti he's defining there, and he defines it as the continuous service or emotions um, directed towards Krishna, his expansion forms or others related to him, and it's with a pleasing attitude towards Krishna. Um, it sh- and it should be devoid of all desires other than the desire to please Krishna. Um, so that means unobstructed also by impersonal jnana, the materialistic rituals of karma, or other unfavorable acts like this. So uh, then Srila Narottam Das Thakur, uh, in the next session, we saw he focused on what we would see as two limbs of sharanagati or surrender. Accepting those things favorable to bhakti and rejecting those things unfavorable. Um, Just as we hear is is important, uh, very important practices in that 1111 verse. Um, So feel free to review those classes on the YouTube channel if you'd uh, like to explore any of those topics in more depth. But today, our focus is going to be verses, are going to be verses uh, 8 to 15. So we're going to look at those verses and 8 to 15 they mostly deal with our lower propensities and other anarthas that needs uprooting so we can become uh, fixed in devotional service and we can practice being fixed in devotional service. So this process of nivritti, this is generally the, the term given to it, uh, that happens as we engage in bhajana kriya or spiritual practices. And eventually this will lead us to this stage of nishta or steady, fixed, unwavering bhakti. And then we're going to have one more session after this in the future, a few weeks, I guess, where Srila Naratam Das Thakur describes this naishthika Bhajan or this steady focused one pointed Bhakti in more detail. Uh, and then after that, I think we'll take a break from Prema Bhakti Chandrika uh, before we move on to song three. So we can look at some more foundational concepts uh, from the Bhagavad Gita that will help us appreciate the rest of the song book in a deeper way. We'll, we'll have more of a proper platform to stand on, if you will, to approach it. So uh, as you know if you've been following we've already read this song too in its entirety there's quite a number of verses so i'm just going to read the verses today um, that we're going to focus on today before we discuss them so they go as follows Dehe boy say ripugana yo teko indriagana keho karo bhadyanahi nahi hoy Shunileina shunekana, sunekana janileina janeprana The six enemies, lust, anger, greed, illusion, pride, and envy, and the five senses of sight, sound, smell, taste, and touch reside in my body, but I am unable to control them. Although I hear and understand repeatedly that one should serve Krishna with all his senses, still, I cannot accept this fact with firm determination. Uh, There's another translation for this verse that I like very much, uh, that we also may be able to identify with at times, I'm sure. Uh, And it goes as follows. The insubordinate senses are like enemies that live within the body. Tell the ear to hear, and it may rebel, refusing to hear. Tell the mind to understand a particular point or become firm in a certain way, and it may very well disobey then the next verse 9 kama kroda lobha moha mad mat sarya dambasa sthane sthane koribo ananda kori hriday ripu kori parajoi anaya se govinda bhajibo i will engage lust anger greed illusion envy and pride in their proper places in this way I will defeat the enemies, and with ecstasy, being blissful at heart, I will easily become able to worship Lord Govinda without difficulty. Next verse Krishna seva kamar parna, bhakta dveshi jane, loba sadhu sange hari kata, moha ishta labhavine, madha krishna guna gane, niyukta koribo yatatata. I will engage my lust in eagerness to serve Krishna, offering the fruits of my work. And I will use my anger against those who are envious of the devotees. I will be greedy to hear the topics of Hari in the association of the devotees. I will be illusioned or bewildered if I fail to achieve my worshipable Lord. And I will feel proud to chant the glories of Krishna, madly glorifying his transcendental attributes. In this way, I will engage each of these in their respective duties in the service of Lord Krishna. In text 11, Anyata Svatantra Kama Anartadi Yara Dhamma Bhakti Pate Sada Deya Bhanga Iba Se Korite Pare Kama Krodha Sada Kere Yadi Hoi Sadhu Janara Sanga. Otherwise, independent lusty desires which are the source of all unwanted things, will always disturb the path of devotional service. What harm can lusty desires and anger do to a practitioner of devotional service if he associates with devotees? And another translation that I quite like for this verse. If lust is not controlled, then it becomes the breeding ground for a host of vices and checks one's advancement on the path of devotional service. However. If one stays in the association of the saintly devotees, then that association will carry him or her beyond the influence of lust, anger, and their friends. Uh, sorry, it just signed me up for some reason, but we seem to still be here. Uh, and 12. Krodavana korekiba, krodatiaga sadadiba, loba mohae katānā chaya Ripu sadahina kori mane rabhina krishna Krishna-chandra-koriya-smarana. Anger spoils everything. Therefore, I will always give up anger, greed, and delusion. I will control the six enemies with the help of my mind while remembering Lord Krishna-chandra. Apani-palabe-sabha, shuniyago-vindarabha, singharabe-yeno-karigana patiyabe Mahananda Sukapabe Yarahoye Kanta Bhajana. When lust and his friends, these enemies, hear the sound vibration, Govinda, they immediately begin to flee, just as deer, a deer flees upon hearing the roar of a lion. One who performs unalloyed devotional service will feel great happiness or transcendental bliss and all his or her dangers will be vanquished, all kinds of calamities fleeing from him or her. Therefore, my dear mind, do not endeavor for bad association, profit, adoration, and distinction. But always remember the lotus feet of Govinda. Please engage in loving devotional service with great happiness and all your dangers will be destroyed. All your sufferings will go far away and pure love for Krishna will spontaneously come. (laughs) Asat kriya kutti nati chado anya paripati anyadevena kariho rati Please give up all duplicity, illusory activities, and the search for bodily happiness. Give up the tendency to find fault in others. Do not be attached to the worship of various demigods. Mundane love and affection for material relationships attracts everyone to their respective illusions, and thus advancement on the path of devotional service is checked. Um, so, some beautiful meditations there, um, and of course, we couldn't do justice to each and every point that is brought up. Um, sorry, I'm saying I'm signed up. I think let me just check the YouTube. Still streaming? I think it is. And thus advancements on the... Okay, it is. Sorry. Um, uh, Zoom Zoom being funny. But yeah, as I say, you you could do a series on um, uh, each of these alone. Um, But overall, to look at it as a whole, overall, my understanding of this section of the song is passing through anarta nivritti, or, or removing the unwanted th- things from the heart uh, that block our practice from being steady and fixed. So we're going to mainly look at this song from that angle. And many of us practicing bhakti may be in this stage called anishta-bhajana-kriya, or unsteady practice, where unwanted things get in the way. And these are vast, and they arise from many different places, um, they can arise from apparats or offences, they can arise from bad karma, they can arise from good karma, and they can even come as things that come as a side effect of practicing bhakti. So, these are given in texts like uh, madhurya Kadambini, for example. Just to give one example, you know, we may become attractive to others when we practice bhakti, for example. So we're repeating the words given to us by our gurus, for example, as I'm doing today, and we may even garner a following or many people liking us from that. But pratishta or pride might lurk that wasn't there in sight before because we didn't have that position. So all these things uh, that are potentially distracting from the path uh, are laid out. Um, by our our Acharyas. Um, uh, Those things that distract us from the path of fixed Bhakti uh, in the way that is laid out by our Acharyas also. So some of the more um, subtle Anarthas, they may actually remain even beyond the stage of Nishta, especially the effects of Vaishnava Aparad. But when the principal bad habits, such as gross, gross lust, for example, greed, and so on, are removed, and the desire that leads to them in the first place, that fuels them, if you will, is no longer in the heart. Then one is said to have passed through an nivritti, and their practice becomes steady and uninterrupted. Sometimes the way it's described um, by our Guru Maharaj is that before Nishta, uh, that our unsteady practice is because of various things. One of them is various states of mind that are always changing from one extreme to another. So we, we we need to overcome them. And also, we may not have a very accurate assessment of our position on the path of bhakti. We might think that we're further along than we actually are, for example. And we may also have misconceptions about what bhakti is and what it isn't. So at Nishta, one has fixed spiritual intelligence. And so sometimes we hear it's associated with the Madhyamadhikari or the intermediate devotee. So before that, it can feel like we're climbing a mountain right? as we engage in Chaito Dharpana Marjanam, when we're doing the cleansing of the mirror of the heart through the practices of bhakti. But when one has reached the peak of the mountain in Nishta, uh, the rest of sadhana bhakti even is going down the other side of the mountain, as our, our Guru Maharaj puts it, into the valley of the love of Godhead, of, of love of God. So it's a very beautiful analogy, this, this we're climbing the mountain, but at Nishta, even during practice, we, we've reached a peak, uh, and so we're kind of aiming for that peak uh, at, at this stage for many of us so that we can uh, start to practice in a way that's more easy going down the, the other side of the mountain, uh, close, closer to Prem, if you will. So before that, of course, um, we do face a number of obstacles. And so Srila Naratam, he lists some of them, such as lust, greed, and so on. You know, and sometimes we we think of lust as sexual desire. Uh, because that's the epitome of material desire in some ways, that desire that keeps the circle of life going. But lust is really understood to be any desire for one's own sensual pleasure. So calm is the word used. It's contrasted with the mood of the Vrajvasis, for example, who only desire to satisfy Krishna's senses. So part of our process, especially in earlier stages, is emptying the heart of selfish desires, but not through some extreme ascetic self-denial and false repression, these kind of things, but rather in the context of culturing a more positive desire, the, the desire to serve Krishna ultimately. So we spoke last time of some of that aspect of Sharanagati, where we accept those things favorable for our bhakti practice, and we reject those things unfavorable. Eventually, our desires will become one with Krishna's desires. So his will will become our will. And so this is the kind of oneness in which we merge with the Lord, as the Shastra sometimes describes. Our Guru Maharaj often says, you and I become we. Uh, and he also recently used the term non-dualism beautified. So some nice descriptions there of uh, you know that merging, if you will. Um, but of course, before our, our desires are one with Krishna's, we may not be able to give up all of our selfish desires in one shot. Uh, it's unrealistic for our current adhikar or qualification. So we try to regulate things to have balance in our lives, so that at the very least we're adding bhakti more and more to different areas of our lives, moving away from self-centeredness as we progress. But we should know, even though we might be in that stage and going. Through through different things, we should also know lust to be an enemy to spiritual progress. Krishna says as much in the Bhagavad Gita. Um, we know that in the in the third chapter, it lurks in the mind and captures the intelligence to make plans to satisfy those desires, which the senses then become engaged in. So this this thirst for more things in different ways, on a gross level or a subtle level, it obscures what we really are. That, that wealth of treasure that we have within us. And so this thirst really is an expression of dissatisfaction, which when we pursue it, it never really leads to fulfillment for, for very long. We all know that. We've all got that experience. You know, it's quite, um, quite obvious when we think about it. And at the very least, what it does is distracts us and it takes time away from engaging in devotional practices. So as Srila Narottam says, it checks our advancement, you know, it, it, it's not bhakti, of course, will not be destroyed by that or these kind of things, you know, and we can always pick up where, where we leave off, but sometimes it can check our advancement, slow us down, we lose taste sometimes, sometimes the example given is that we we throw water on a fire, Srila Prabhupada sometimes gave that in some purports, it's like throwing water on a fire and so on, and so um, so it's 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 good to be aware of that point, you know. And as Krishna points out in the Gita, unsatisfied desire will also lead to another enemy that Srila Naratam gives, anger. Or if we do get it, we can become proud, but the pride is based on something that isn't reality. And we may be envious of those with something that we don't have and want their downfall. And of course, the desire for more than we actually really need is greed. And this whole affair is a great illusion, because by nature, as souls, we don't need any of these things, right? We just think we do, but we're so identified with the gross and subtle material body. And so we also make choices that we probably wouldn't if we weren't under the influence of material nature, similar to someone who's intoxicated, who who just doesn't act as themselves in that moment. So sometimes our Guru Maharaj makes the point that a good defense to this is a good offense. So we engage our senses as much as possible in bhakti practices, cultivating spiritual desires. And in due course of time, the material desires will be subdued. And we even engage our material desires somehow. As Srila Narutan points out, uh, he says about how he engages each of these lower natures in pursuit his pursuit of bhakti. Um, so there's some a nice nice example um, for us to follow there. Sometimes the example Srila uh, Prabhupada would give is that the fan is unplugged. So although when we engage in bhakti, the material desires, they may still haunt us early on in our practice. We, we should be assured that if we're sincere in progressing, and we engage in bhakti practices under good guidance, then those fan blades will slow down and they will come to a stop. Uh, So sometimes, in relation to some of these um, thoughts of optimism, if you will, our Guru Maharaj makes the point that we can put these anarthas on our altar to worship. It's quite an interesting concept. I remember the first time I heard him speaking like this, I was like, whoa, that's, <laughs> that's a very different angle of vision. You know, most people are like, oh, my anarthas and these kind of things. So um, there are different ways to understand that, of course. But one point in relation to this is that rather than become neurotic and obsessive over the fact that we may still have many selfish desires, we can use them as thermometers to recognize where we really are at the moment so that we can act appropriately according to our level of qualification. So if we know we're in anishtabhajana kriya, for example, it wouldn't be wise to try to counter the anarthas with practices that are recommended for someone in the stage of ruchi, for example. So these anarthas, they can be a blessing in that way, to, to show us where we are, not to discourage us, but to engage us more wholeheartedly, uh, especially in shravanam, or hearing, and kirtanam, or chanting, and of course, seeking sadhu sangha, which we'll look at shortly. And so another thing is that these anarthas, they can also help us become humble in a rudimentary sense, until we can embrace fully uh, Srila Bhaktisiddhanta's definition of humility, where he says it's the absence of the enjoying spirit. So what about before, when we've still got that enjoying spirit, right? Does it mean we can't show any humility in these things? No, of course not, Um, but in a different way. So, Of course, the positive way to do this um, is the cultivation of a serving spirit. Uh, So developing a service identity, a serving disposition, uh, as is sometimes said. So that this means knowing who to serve, but also to serve without an ulterior motive without the expectation of reward like we even we saw in that 111 verse. So you know sometimes we see immature devotees, for example, they can do a lot whole lot of service, but eventually it's seen that there was an expectation of some kind of reward, whether gross or subtle, and it can slow them down or even, in in worst cases, make them inimical or start to blame other devotees or their teachers when they don't get what they want. So this often happens when acting beyond one's actual adhikar. But the more we have this actual service spirit, the less room there is for the enjoying spirit, even though we will naturally enjoy the bliss of service, as Śrīla Nārutam Das Thakur points out in these these, uh, verses we saw. You know, it's not that there's no enjoyment whatsoever, but one enjoys the bliss of service, for example. And so we also want to replace material greed with a real greed or loba uh, to attain the same sentiments as those totally selfless devotees of Vrindavan. So this is a big part of what our practice in this particular path is all about. So if we're hearing from a good source and we're engaging in spiritual practice, this positive greed will arise more and more as the heart becomes more cleansed. So by serving in in a systematic way, our false sense of needing things will gradually diminish and we can learn to truly love as our conditioning is transcended. And of course, Krishna, by nature, is very affectionate. And so he's extended a great opportunity for us to make our way up the mountain so that we can come down the other side. So Srila Narutam Das Thakur, he's given some other direct solutions apart from engaging these tendencies in the form of, for example, offering the fruits of our desires to the Lord, to combat lust, for example, and so on. So he tells us, uh, he tells us a few things He tells us to meditate on Krishna and call out his name. So some of you may be familiar with um, Srila Bhaktivano Thakur's description of various anarthas that are represented by demons in Krishna Leela. Um, These can be found in uh, his work Sri Chaitanya Shikshamrita. I won't list them all here now. Our Guru Maharaj has given some great classes on these, including a a few years ago in Poland. Um, but I can share them with you if you're unable to find them, the list of these um, anaratas and their corresponding demons in Krishna Leela. But the main point is that we want strength to remove all these unfavorable tendencies. And we're advised to pray to Lord Harid to do this daily. So we can read and meditate on that specific Leela, for example, that corresponds with what we may be struggling with at that time. Uh, having a prayerful mood, asking Krishna to help with firm faith that he has the potency to remove the undesirable qualities from the heart so that we can truly concentrate our minds on chanting the holy name, for example, and becoming fixed in bhakti. It's okay to desire to remove these impediments while chanting with the sole desire of wanting strength to advance in devotion because ultimately you've set your goal uh, in, in accordance with one eleven, so um, it's not a selfish thing to want to remove those things that block you from uh, wanting to get there, if you will. And we discussed uh, lust a little earlier. It's also stated that reading the Rasa Panchajai or the, the five chapters of the Srimad Bhagavatam's Rasa Leela with firm faith, will remedy this heart disease of lust as it's described. So... Sridhar Swami, the classical commentator, he calls that section Kamvijay, or victory over lust. So, in a similar vein, this can be a nice prayerful meditation and way to engage our intellect when we feel troubled. Now, sometimes alarm bells might ring for some of you because sometimes there can be advice to the contrary, in the sense that we shouldn't shouldn't misunderstand these pastimes as a lusty affair, or to like you know engage in meditation on them prematurely, you know, to go through the rest of the Bhagavatam first, for example, and so on. And this is true also. Obviously, there's wisdom to that advice. We, you know, we shouldn't neglect other very relevant sections for us. But under good guidance, it's a very powerful practice. And so Srila Prabhupada, he's written Krishna book, for example, that weaves that section with philosophy. And our own Guru Maharaj, he has the wonderful aesthetic Vedanta, that explores this section combined with the necessary philosophical background. So I highly recommend that book, for example. Um, and the point being is that we've been given some great gifts by our teachers that we can take advantage of to follow Srila Narutam Das Thakura's advice of meditating on Krishna's lotus feet and pastimes and so on in a way that's suitable for our adhikar. And of course, Srila Narutam, He also recommends chanting, chanting Govinda, which will make all the enemies of the heart flee, uh, like animals scared by the roar of a lion, such is his power. So chanting the Lord's name, that's always recommended. But in relation to what we were speaking earlier in terms of humility, we also know, just as Mahaprabhu expresses in the second verse of Shikshashtakam, we may not always have a taste for chanting Govinda, and other practices of bhakti if we're honest with ourselves. So, you know, the, the distraction of that one series on Netflix or that one YouTube video, it might sound a little more promising sometimes than picking up the Bhagavatam, right? Uh, at least I I speak from my own experience. But if we sincerely lament this condition, like, like Mahaprabhu does in that second verse, then this attracts Krishna's sympathy. And so we still go on chanting despite other things. So honesty with ourselves in this way can give the power to rise above our conditioning in a healthy gradual way because Nam never leaves us. We know Nam stays with us always even though we may be plagued by anarthas and offenses and other things and it's by his grace that we're gradually purified. So apart from both of these things, meditating on Krishna, chanting his holy name and so on, Srila Narutam Das Thakur He also gives the main key to overcoming these various obstacles that we may face. Uh, We we move from unsteady practice to steady practice by association with advanced devotees. So it's in in this kind of association uh, that we find our material aspirations and tendencies and so on. They seem so insignificant and our resolve for spiritual life is strengthened. I'm sure we've all had that experience to some degree or another when we were in Sadhu Sangha. Um, you know, other things, they, they don't seem as, as, as uh, huge as they do in our minds at other times, right? Uh, and so by nature, this kind of Sadhu Sangha, are they themselves engaged in devotional practices, but they're engaged in them with firm resolve. So, of course, we also engage in devotional practices as well but we don't always have that do-or-die attitude for them. So Srila Naratam says, just call out Govinda, just call out Govinda, Govinda. But we may not always do so in times of temptation or distraction. So before Nishta, depending on our state of mind, we may practice or we may not. But when we do, if we do, we will see that our interest in unnecessary things, they're exposed for what they really are. So this kind of insight, it gives us that determination to try to give up these anarthas so that our practice can become steady. But what about when we don't have that insight? And as Srila Narutam says, the mind rebels or disobeys. He says, you know, sometimes the mind rebels or the ear rebels, the mind rebels or disobeys, you know? So so what about in those times when we don't, you know, don't chant Govinda, or, or for whatever reason, or pick up the Bhagavatam and these kind of things? Well, even if we struggle with devotional practices themselves at times, genuine sadhu sangha will always be useful. So there's a really beautiful quote, a really nice quote from uh, Ramanujacharya uh, that Srila Bhaktivano Thakur quotes in his book uh, Aloka, And it says, If you cannot purify yourself by any endeavor whatsoever, then just go sit with the Vaishnavas and you will achieve all auspiciousness. So I'll read that one more time because it's very beautiful. If you cannot purify yourself by any endeavor whatsoever, then just go sit with the Vaishnavas and you will achieve all auspiciousness. So up until we have a real taste for devotional practices in the fullest sense of the term, the stage of Ruchi, we will experience all sorts of doubts of varying degrees and, and various obstacles too. So we're advised to address those with advanced devotees who have some taste. And this association, it helps us attain steadiness in spiritual practice, the steadiness or nishta that is needed for us ourselves to attain a genuine taste, to come to the stage of ruchi, if you will. So by hearing from sadhu and guru, those who have feelings for the texts, we ourselves will start to get some feeling. Divine faith develops in the company of those who have it. And so that includes scriptural study under their guidance, for example. And of course, we're especially advised to serve those who exemplify the Bhagavad. So that this is what really will give realization of so many of those things that we may study and remains theoretical. So we're trying to please Krishna and Krishna likes his devotees to be pleased. So, so many obstacles come and go in this world. But our Guru Maharaj, he sometimes made the point that the only real gain is spiritual advancement that comes from Sadhu Sangha. And our only real loss is not having the association of advanced devotees. And we know that's also uh, given in Chaitanya Charitamrita, right? Uh, The importance of Sadhu Sangha, this verse Krishna Bhakti Janma Mula sadhu Sangha, Krishna Prema Janmetho Puna Mokya Anga. The root cause of devotional service to Krishna is association with advanced devotees. Even when one's dormant love for Krishna awakens, association with devotees is still most essential. So we should have some discrimination. Uh, as to what we accept as Sadhu Sangha for us also, because Srila says, give up bad association. A few weeks ago, a nice example of that, a few weeks ago, our Guru Maharaj was speaking about the difference between professional Kirtaniyas, for example, and those embracing nam as only as an act of worship and nothing more. It's just an act of worship for them to please Krishna. Sometimes they can be Kirtan for, for so many other reasons and motivations. Uh, And even the demigods will be brought in, but Srila Narutam also refers to this. He also makes the point, do not be attached to the demigods. Because generally, the demigods are approached for material desires. And of course, we're trying to develop only spiritual desires. There are some exceptions, of course, but generally, even then, we see they they are in relation to Krishna Bhakti directly. Uh, You know, nice examples when the gopis approach Katyayani to have Krishna as their husband. Um, But we should, you know, do real self-reflection and be careful of imitating that, and rather try more to develop the habit of taking shelter of Krishna directly. And we see that mood so prominently in these verses from Srila Narottam Das Thakur. A nice example in this regard that I really like is that of Ganesh or Ganapati, who is said to remove obstacles. In fact, he's even mentioned in the Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu by Srila Rupa Goswami, although we don't generally see his worship implemented in Gaudiya Puja or worship. So there's a uh, humorous example. Srila Prabhupada humorously replied to a devotee who had read Nectar of Devotion and wanted to worship Ganesh. Um, so uh, He wrote a letter to him, uh, to Bhaktadas in 1975. He said, concerning Ganesh worship, it is not actually necessary for us. But if someone has a sentiment for getting the blessings of Ganesh in order to get large amounts of money for Krishna's service, then it is all right. But anyone who takes up this kind of worship must send me at least $100,000 monthly, not less. (laughs) If he cannot send this amount, then he cannot do Ganesh worship. (laughs) I always really like that letter. So someone is going to have to have real deep faith and real pure motivations to take up Ganesh worship and make a commitment to such a donation, $100,000 monthly after receiving that instruction. (laughs) So we see really the main motivation is emphasized by Srila Prabhupada. One shouldn't be worshipping the demigods for material things, but only in the spirit of service. And even if one has a desire for material things, the Bhagavatam declares that even then, it's better to take a direct shelter of Krishna, because at least then, one's also developing samskaras for taking shelter of Krishna. So if someone offers the fruits of those desires, for example, gradually they will acquire more insight into the reality of inner life, and they'll be able to take up more direct Krishna-seva. And now regarding, just as a side note, regarding Ganapati himself, Ganesh, we're often advised to take shelter of his worshipful Lord, Lord Narsinghadev, to remove obstacles from the hearts, for example. But the main point Srila Tar- uh, Naratam is making is that we want to develop fixed, one-pointed purpose you know, follow, we want to follow in the conclusions of Sri Rupa's, Rupa Goswami, just like Sri Laxmi Danta often emphasized. That's that's what we want to be focused in. So the motivation and the understanding by which one worships anyone is the most important thing. But the point is, it's not not just giving up irreligious things, uh, but actually. Even seemingly dharmic aspects of life need to be given up too if they interfere with us cultivating a desire for bhakti alone. So that's the main focus, this this one-pointed bhakti. So Srila Narutam, he also advises that we should avoid duplicity, fault-finding and so on. So we should always be alert to the faults in ourselves and also be willing to overlook what we perceive to be faults in others. Now, we shouldn't take that in a sentimental way, of course, that we can never offer constructive criticism, depending on our relationship with someone. But the difference is that fault-finding doesn't have any goodwill behind it, whereas constructive criticism is out of compassion and a desire to help another person improve. But again, discrimination is an important characteristic of the Madhya Madhikari, and so we want to strive to embody that mentality even if we don't feel ourselves to be quite there. And so we should also tread uh, with caution with that too. But Because in, in general, we have enough on our hands in terms of our own, own qualities to analyze, to reflect on, uh, and see how we can make progress towards our own ideal. Uh, and so we should consult with higher devotees if someone else's behavior is disturbing us, for example, and try to imbibe this mood also of taking shelter of advanced devotees. So by serving them, We we can change ourselves and not worry about those who don't need to have an influence on our own practice. So we want to hear often about what is our actual ideal and the precision of the path that we are on. And this should be encouraging to know that we're on such a path that this grace has been extended to us from an advanced devotee. So great souls, they represent Krishna as we know. And if they're attracted to our sincerity, then Krishna will also be attracted. And this is how we advance in this way. So when we approach a Vaishnav with sincerity, even if we have so many other faults and so many other obstacles, like even some of the ones that are listed in these songs, so many things to deal with, as we discussed earlier, over, over time, we will undoubtedly come to know Krishna by this sincere attitude to make progress. There's a really nice video of Srila Sridhar Maharaj, where he's asked about the fact that because of our conditioning, we can become attracted to, to, to uh, excuse me degraded things. Uh, so how, how do we overcome that, you know, how do we overcome that because of our conditioning and so on? So I'll read the answer because it relates with the topics of today. But I really recommend the channel itself too. There's really nice bite-sized videos of Srila Bhakti Rakshak Sridhar Dave Goswami. And he's answering different questions. So the channel's called uh, Bhakti Rakshak Vani. So you can search that and you'll find it on YouTube. Or if you have any trouble, just get in touch with me. Let me know and I, I can send it on. But the quote goes as follows. That is, by, that is renouncing by association. When my system is under disease, sometimes by taking medicine, I can't help my physical health. We are recommended by the doctors to change the atmosphere. Unconsciously, some medicine-type things will enter me through the air, through the food, the water. In this way, my health is improved. So something like that. The association, the living association, that is the sadhu, by his company, by talks, by various other connections, even without any physical cooperation, only living by the side reason, his mental or spiritual Atma will emit some power outside, and I will invite that to my Atma and will improve. So Sadhu and Shastra, if we try, we may not understand fully, but still the Shastra, the holy books, if I try to understand that many, that will also contribute something to improve my health in this way. Our improvement depends on the environment, and that environment, Sadhu and Shastra, always. The external help I need, that means I am in want. Then some external help is necessary to improve my condition. I am wanting in something, and where it is. If I keep myself in his company, it will be transmitted in me, and my condition would be improved by Sadhu. I'm lacking in particular form of energy, and that form of energy is higher. That Sadhu's company will help me, will give me more and more strength and health. It is a general thing. Always come to work on soul condition. The favorable environment is necessary. Favorable environment. There is association of the living source of sadhu, and if it is not possible, not available, then holy books. I shall try to keep the company of. In all cases, this should be applied. So, many of us, we're in such a fortunate time right now. Our Guru Maharaj, he kindly spends time with us each week, for example, on the Sunday call to answer questions. And of course, we have his books and audio recordings over the years, so many, uh, and various sabre opportunities as well. And we really recommend taking the opportunity to, to visit him at the various retreats through the year, for example. Personally speaking, I, I feel the most boost in those times, you know, like I see Anardi here after I'm sure he feels the same after the Polish retreat, he feels such a boost, right? He's shaking his head for those who can't see on YouTube. Um, so this, this can give us um, some extra juice uh, to keep making progress up the mountain so we, c- we can reach the peak, to keep watering the seed, And along with that, keep cultivating and refining our desire for prema especially by hearing of the ideal through Krishna Katha and so on. As Srila Sridhar Maharaj would say, we can only be judged by what our future prospect is. So we can make that future prospect a great one with good association. So to wrap up, I mentioned taking shelter of Lord Narasimhadev earlier for removing obstacles. So I thought I would end with the translation to a beautiful prayer by Srila Bhakti Vanotakul Thakur to Lord Narasingadev. Uh, it's in his Navadwit Bhavataranga. This shares similar expressions to Srila Narottam Das Thakur in terms of taking real shelter of Krishna to overcome our lower tendencies and also taking advantage of the mercy of Sadhu Sangha that we've been given. So, he says, Within my sinful heart, the six enemies headed by lust perpetually reside, as well as duplicity, the desire for fame, the sheer cunning. Residing at the lotus feet of Lord Narasingha, I pray that he will mercifully purify my heart and give me the desire to serve Lord Krishna. Weeping, I will beg at the lotus feet of Lord Narasingha for the benediction of worshipping Radha and Krishna in Navadweep, perfectly safe and free from all difficulties. When will this Lord Hari, whose terrible form strikes fear into fear itself, ever become pleased and show me his mercy. Even though Lord Narasingha is terrifying toward the sinful souls, he offers great auspiciousness unto the devotees of Lord Krishna, headed by Prahlad Maharaj. When will he be pleased to speak words of compassion unto me, a worthless fool, and thereby make me fearless? He will say, Dear child, sit down freely and live happily here in Sri Gaurangadham. May you nicely worship the divine couple, and may you develop loving attachment for their holy names. By the mercy of my devotees, all obstacles are cast far away. With a purified heart, just perform the worship of Radha and Krishna, for such worship overflows with sweet nectar. Saying this, will that Lord delightedly place his own divine lotus feet upon my head? I will experience sublime love for the divine couple, Radha Krishna and undergo the ecstatic transformations called sattvaka. Falling on the ground, I will roll about at the door of Sri Narasingha's temple. So beautiful prayers there. And you can see how how much they correlate also with um, this section of song two of uh, Prema Bhakti Chandraka. So just to finish up, um, I thought I'd give just because of the day, like I mentioned at the beginning today here in the UK, at least it's um, Lord Ram's uh, appearance day. So I thought I'd finish with a sneak preview of next time. Uh, so in the in the last session on this song, uh, there's a verse where um Srila Naratam Das Thakur says, O oh brother, O oh sister, please become attached to your worshipable Lord alone. Serve him without deviation and sing the glories of his pastimes. I will now quote the words of Hanuman. Who demonstrates this exclusive devotion to one's worshipable deity. Hanuman said, although he is not different from Lord Narayan, lotus-eyed Lord Ram alone is the be-all and end-all of my life." Beautiful, beautiful quote there. So thanks for your attention, either right now uh, for those of you with us at the moment or later on YouTube. Um, so yeah. So if anyone would like to share any thoughts or realizations, anything to expand on, or or any questions and so on, uh, let me know, and I'd, I'd be happy to check the youth. So. So um, thank you, Shraddha Dasi. So, uh, Shraddha, um, she says. Uh, would you consider this song and similar songs as part of Shastra in the way it is connected with Guru and Shastra? Also, you mentioned that greed and anger are lower natures and not needed by the soul. But can we not use the words in this song to transform greed and anger in good ways, greed for the Lord and anger against what isn't favorable for Bhakti? Is that what you touched on later? Uh, happy uh, Ramnavami. Uh, to, to So um so I'll, I'll start with the first question. So you she so asked um uh would we consider this song as part of Shastra in the way it's connected with Guru and Shastra? And and I, I would say kind of in some ways, um in, in that um uh really if you if you like we are studying at the moment, we've been studying, um, Srila narottam Das Thakur, um uh he really is basing in this directly on Bhakti Rasamrata Sindhu, uh, for example, which we would consider shastra. So I guess I should rewind and say it depends what you mean by the term shastra. Ultimately, right? Because some some will say the shastra just refers to the Vedas, for example, um, and these kind of things. Generally, that's what's understood by the shastra, the, Ve- the Vedic texts, the, Ve- the Vedas themselves. And obviously, there are different categories and these kind of things. But then, in terms of our sampradaya, the Goswamis, especially. Um, well, all the goswamis they they've mined those vedic texts if you will and they've drawn the best quotes that they they felt were the best that um in terms of emphasizing uh, the full nature of absolute reality you know as we know him as krishna bhagavan uh, brahman with shakti uh, with feeling and so on so so um uh, so in that way, we would consider texts. let's take Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, we we would consider that Shastra also, whereas some, some schools may not consider it as Shastra because it was written by the Goswamis like that. But really it is Shastra because, as I say, Rupa Goswami is backing up everything with um, texts from, from the Vedic literatures and these kind of things. So, so then I would say to extend from that, Srila Sh- Narutam Das Thakur in these songs, he's basing it really on texts like Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, uh, and these things, we looked a bit at that in in the first song, for example, um, and so so I guess in one way you could look at that. And I remember Agni Dave Prabhu was saying, I think he said Srila Prabhupada had said that um, that these songs, these bhajans, uh, they're, they're as as good as the Vedic texts, or something to that effect. You know, they're as good as the Vedic texts, or they're the Vedic texts in in song form and like that. So um, so I, so I, I would say in that way we we might see it as shastra. Um, like that, um, but you you could also see it as sadhu, you know, coming from sadhu. I I guess it really de- de- depends on how you're defining shastra in that moment and these things. But ho- hopefully that's useful, some things to think about in how we would think about it. But I I personally I would cer- certainly take it as a, <laughs> in a as a shastric thing in some sense. Uh, and then so your second question about um, greed and anger being lower natures and not needed by the soul, uh, but also as you say in this song. Uh, we've shown how we can transform those uh, things in good ways. So greed for the Lord and anger against what isn't favorable to Bhakti and so on. And so, yeah, I I did, like you say, I I did touch on that uh, in some ways. But also, um, yeah, I guess it's the understanding of what is meant by greed and anger in terms of, uh, in the way generally, Greed and anger are described. So for example, lust uh, is described by Krishna in, in the Gita as a great enemy, you know, it's, 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 it's the enemy of the soul, actually. Um, so in that so we can understand that it's it's not a good thing, actually. Um but but all these things really are in relation to uh false identification. So greed used in terms of our own false ego, for example, anger used and these things, these are the lower nature things that we're talking about and, and that I, I meant in terms of not being needed by the soul, that, that they're not needed by the soul in terms of the, the way they're manifesting, because that, that's not, you know, it's not based on reality ultimately in these things for the reasons I gave. But um, but you know, even so, as we know, you could you could say that um, you know, if I buy some food just to give give a different kind of side side of things, a way to think about it. If I buy some food, uh some vegetables, or I, I grow some vegetables, pick some vegetables, that itself is just matter. It's just matter. But I can offer that matter to um to the Lord, to the deity, and it it becomes um transcendentalized in some ways, right? So it's a similar thing. Everything can be transcendentalized actually. It's it's not, you know, all it's all material energy, whether gross or subtle. So even these things that relate to the false ego and the um, and so on, you know, um, they're all they're all um part of the subtle material energy, right? So, so they can also be used. So as you say, Sri narottam Das Thakur, he points that out, that we can we can use these things, we can dovetail them, as Prabhupada would say, you know, we can we can, okay, we've got these things and that kind of thing. And then the more, the more our, our angle of vision changes, if you will, or our heart changes from being self-centered to um Krishna-centered, you know, that. The more that, that paradigm is shifted, then more and more, those things will only be used in relation to Krishna naturally. Even we might not have to like consciously dovetail those things, but it, it will just be a natural result, you know. And so that's why we see sometimes even great prema bhaktas, as we would consider, you know, they, they manifest anger sometimes in these kind of things. But obviously it's... And a different platform than someone being angry because they, you know, they're being their desires being frustrated or someone's irritating them and these kind of things. You know, it's uh, it's obviously like a different way. So obviously these things are they, they they they're quite subtle, but um, but yeah that when I when I was saying about greed and anger and these other things not being needed by the soul, um, I really mean that that from our self centered angle of vision and and these kind of these kind of things you know and. Um, you know, there are obviously also spiritual um, aspects of this too. I mean, even in in Vrindavan, you know, like there's, it's not that Srimati Radharani is never angry. So sometimes she's very angry with Krishna, right? There's, so. <laughs> so there's, you know, that's not part of a lower nature, of course, and so on. And so I, I'd say like Srila Narita, what he's describing is kind of like an in-between state of those two. So you got your self-centered, like lower nature, anger, greed, et cetera, and that kind of thing. you got your transcendental and then you got this like in-between, if you will. So maybe maybe you could say it's like the sadhakas. Uh, <laughs> sadhakas. I I don't know if that's useful. I hope uh, it is. Oh, brilliant. Thanks, Shraddha. She said it was useful. Thank you. So... um. Um, Yeah, thank you uh, for your questions. I don't know if anyone else has anything before we wrap it up. Otherwise, we'll uh, wish you a a nice um, celebration of Sri Ram today. And uh, may we all follow in Hanuman's footsteps and try and become fixed, fixed fixing our devotional service. So, yeah, thank you. in Krishna.